Alfred. He's next. Getting him all lined up. Yeah. Um, I can prod people. You should try the guys at Mad Jack. Oh, Light. that's on the list. I did record an episode there. Oh, you did. The next thing I'm doing, I'm bringing, I'm bringing a microphone to the beer fest and just walking around, oh, cool. talking to fun. brewers and drunks. That'll be a good time. I'm that's a good cool. idea. It is. That'll be fun. So, I, I, that, that's actually a really good. Idea. That's what I be that's, entertaining it, <laughs> and a little annoying at the same time. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. All right, so I'm recording. Cool. All right, Live. so uh, welcome to. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that intro. Welcome to episode 14 of Stories from a Bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and today I am back hanging out at the fantastic Albany Pump Station, home, of course, to C.H. Evans Brewing, and joining me for this episode is actually the head brewer for C.H. Evans, Sam Pagano. That's me. Okay. How are you, Sam? I'm doing well. And I pronounced that right. Sam Pagano, you Sam got, Pagano. It. got it. Biggest fear, and I always forget to ask the guest before <laughs> I go into the intro. I like it. You just got to wing it sometimes. Hey, that's exactly so, first off, thanks for hanging out and taking time for being on the show. I know you've been here all day, right? Already? You're all day, almost every day. It's like so. the happy hour edition. We're yeah, recording a little yeah. early, actually. You came at the right time, so this is when I'm usually having my beer, so now it works out. Perfect. Speaking of beers, which one did you decide to go? You got there. I'm drinking Skyway Sour. Um, this beer has a little bit of a story behind it. So, when I started, which is now like a year ago and a week, two weeks or so, I've all been right. here now. Um, there's all kinds of projects going around us, as you can see when you drive around. And one of them that I thought was supposed to be underway sooner is the Skyway, which is literally they're taking this Clinton Ave off ramp from the northbound side and converting it into like oh, a path, that's right. yeah, yeah, with trees, you know, and grass or whatever. Um, so I was like, oh, it's be fun to name a beer after, but I didn't realize that that's not starting. It's years away. I have no idea. I don't <laughs> even know if we're doing it anymore, but uh, that was the intention. I have not heard of anything about that in a while, but I do, yeah. It, it never it never seemed to get on any major news things, but it is talked about, and apparently there it was, was money approved. Yeah. yeah, and it was like a $2 million project, and apparently it was approved, but who knows? We're in New York, so. So I'm so. drinking the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff, <laughs> like stuff's in the news, and then it disappears. It is what it is. Yeah. I went with the Ditch Digger IPA, which is fantastic. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, that name came from all this construction that's around us, which doesn't seem to be going anywhere. No, this place doesn't seem like soon. it's constantly, at least something around here is constantly being under construction. At least we know it's for the right things and for some progress. And there's stuff been, going. oh yeah, there's been a lot of headway made in businesses and just improving the area, which has been awesome yep. to see. I actually learned not that long ago, you are, I'm just going to say second cousins, because that's the easiest way to describe it. Yep. <laughs> with an old childhood buddy of mine that I grew up with. Yeah. Who actually is the one that told me, yeah, he should talk to Sam at the pump station. Yeah. Billy boy, if you're listening to this, come buy some more beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he won't have any problem if he hears <laughs> I know, that. He's a, we get a message before this is over. Like we said, we're here at the pump station, which we'll talk about the pump station a little bit later on, but first tell me about yourself. This is the first time, maybe the first time we've met, honestly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm so, I, I drink too much. My memory is not what it used to be. So, um, what's your story? Tell me about it. Yeah, you. so. You're from uh, the area? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in, um, my, most of my family's from Schenectady. I grew up in Colony, New York. South Colony yeah. is where I went to high school. Played football in high school. I went to University of Albany. Played football there. Studied English. I was academically terminated from there. So oh, all, all right. Well, I got to tell you, that's impressive because it takes a lot because we were darn close. <laughs> Didn't take as much as I found as I thought and found out. <laughs> but okay, we were close. But yeah, so I went there for four years. After that, I, you know, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet, um, and had the opportunity to go. What were you going to school for? English. Oh, that's right. Playing football is what I was going to school for, okay. and uh, you know, I did English as well. Um, but no, so then I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. 
um, and an opportunity came up to go be a graduate assistant at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, which is basically you, you're an assistant coach in exchange for, you know, education That's uh, cool. for, for to, to pursue your master's and did that for a couple of years. And then uh, when I was finished, I still didn't know what I wanted to do and came home and got into the beer business and um, made a few stops from there, but most of them were from around this area and here I am. So do you have brothers and sisters? Or? Uh, I have one. I had one older brother. He passed away in two thousand four. So like right about when I uh, was leaving high school, an automobile accident. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't Thank know. you. Yeah, you know things happen. Pets? I wish. Uh, <laughs> uh, I live with my girlfriend, and we have. I should say she has lots of plants. So I guess you could say there are pets. But we're working. We're working on a dog. <laughs> we're moving to the next spot. Take it one small step at a, sun, one, at a time one, when it comes yeah. with something that's alive. That's right. That's right. Let's keep the plants alive first, and we'll work on the pets. <laughs> My girlfriend and I have two beagles. and So nice. One's super lazy, which is great, and the other one's hyper. Well, escape artist, right? Uh, the one be? is scared as shit to be outside. <laughs> All right. And, and he, she got off the leash once and pretty much just ran straight back to her door. Oh, well, that's so, good. Like, aren't they usually the dogs that just try to disappear? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If if the other one got off the leash, I wouldn't see him again. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I've heard. So, how long have you been here? Uh, so oh, You mentioned you jumped around a little bit. Yeah, so I started my career at Brown's Brewing Company um, in Troy about eight years ago now. Didn't, didn't start as a brewer um, there. That was actually my first entry into the beer world. That was actually their first sales rep at the time uh, and packaging assistant I guess you could give it a fancy title um, so I worked there for a couple years from there I moved on and actually was an assistant brewer here at the pump station for a couple years under Ryan Demler after a couple years here I moved on I was the head brewer at Mad Jack Brewing Company out of the Van Dyke um, I was there for again a couple years and then I really like Mad Jack they've got some great stuff yeah it's a, it's a cool spot too and a lot of people it kind of seems to fly under the radar I mean, it's a really old building and old oh, yeah. institution, the old jazz club and everything. But it tends to fly under the radar around here, which is kind of a shame because it's just a beautiful spot. Their patio in the summertime is awesome. It overlooks the brewery. Oh, house. yeah. And you can, I mean, it's been around a long time. Yeah. Too. You know, they got the right brewers in there now, and they had a, they have a, a really good chef now. It's doing some creative, consistent food. So they're good. But uh, I was there for uh, a couple years again and then moved and was the head brewer at City Steam Brewing Company out of Hartford, Connecticut. Um, so you were... When you wrapped up college, you stayed in Hartford? And- I, I, no, I came home and I started at Brown. I moved home. Oh, so right. I somehow got hit. It's a weird story. Somehow I looped back into Hartford. I grew to love it in my most recent experience in Hartford, but in the past, I just I didn't wasn't totally in love with the city. I think I've been out to Hartford once when I was like a kid, but I don't really really remember it. Hey, it's got its ups and downs. It's just, it, to me, it reminds me of just a bigger Albany. You know, I mean, that's essentially what it is. It's this big commuting city. Except for here, it's all state workers there. It's all insurance workers. You know, it's denser. It's the same kind of thing. It has its XL center. We have our Times Union center. Yeah. I mean, it's so similar, um, just larger. Um, but I, I grew to love it a lot. And, and But something about home was just sucking me back. And, and uh, you know, my family's here. My girlfriend was out, moved out there to connect it with me. And her family's all around here. So um, we knew we weren't didn't want to live, I guess, for a prolonged period in Connecticut. Yeah. We didn't want to buy a house in Connecticut, essentially, right? Um, it's expensive out there. It's expensive. Yeah, and you know, I like to live in a more rural area that's kind of close to the city. And Albany has that unique... I mean, you go like 10 minutes in any direction, you're in... You know, oh, yeah, you absolutely. You go to a rural, a rural area. And uh, you could kind of do that in Hartford, too. But then, you know, you got a community out of that city, and it's a nightmare compared to here. One of the things I think is cool about Albany, we're like, well, I mean, we're smack dab 
in the middle of a bunch of major cities. Oh, yeah. It's like just under a three-hour train ride away mm-hmm. to like Montreal, New York City, Hartford. Yep. <laughs> you, you probably heard it too. Boston, you, been a, you grew up around here. Yeah. So you, you tend to get people, and I find this a lot of people that stay around here and, and, and aren't really proactive and making the best of their experience, kind of rag on the area, which I think is so foolish because you're an hour away from the Adirondacks or two hours away from, you know, a little over two hours away from Boston, a little over two hours away from New York City. You can get on a train and go to Montreal. And exactly. Time. I mean, yeah, you're a driver or a train right away Saratoga, from whatever environment type you yeah. want to be in, really. Yeah, and uh, I think it's really a great location. You know, New York's got its faults like any place does, but... I came back. So. <laughs> it's funny. I, it. <laughs> I'm from the area. Lived in, moved to South Carolina for five or six years, and then now I'm back as well. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Actually, it's it's we're not alone. The only thing I don't like is the winter. But yeah, winter. You, you know, for, um, for a handful of years I was snowboarded. I, I have it in years, and most recently I went with a, a buddy of mine up to Gore to get back into it, and I was like, ah, you know, this is why you like winter time. But if you're not, again, that's not a hobby of yours. Yeah, winter could suck. I've gone a few times because I had friends that were into it, so I kind of got into it. Funny enough, when I lived in South Carolina, where there's no place to snowboard, so we had to drive to North Carolina. Oh, really? <laughs> what, let me ask you this. What was so the first time you go snowboarding? How much of a disaster was it? It sucks. <laughs> your butt hurts, and if you're not smart, you really will mess up your knees and your face. If you catch the front of the board, is the worst. And I remember. Like, I bought a cheap snow. I bought my own stuff because I didn't want to rent it, but I didn't spend a lot. I found, like, cheap stuff somewhere. And uh, it worked, that part worked out great. And I, I go to get on the lift for the first time with my buddy. He's like, I don't want to ride the lift with you. Why? Oh, yeah. That's brutal, too. He's like, you're, you're going to fall off and take me down. And I'm like, dude, it'll be fine. It can't be that bad. And I fell and took him down with me. It's bad. Right, right down a wooden ramp. Like, yep. So we're off to a good start here. Well, when I went to Gore recently, I was, you know, yeah, I had, I had snowboard in the past, and I was used to getting in on and off lifts, but it's been a while, and first lift we get on, of course, is a four-person lift, so me and my buddy and two strangers, strangers are like 11-year-old kids that are probably, like, pros, and I had a turn to when we got close, I was like, guys, get away from Oh, me. that's embarrassing. And I did, oh, and I went down hard. Yeah. Having, having kids so much younger than you. There's so much I So much better. I remember when I was first learning, I, I thought I was getting good, and all of a sudden, this, like, eight-year-old just went whizzing by me backwards on skis. And I was like, all right, my, there's that. Yeah, my first experience was tumbling down the mountain, basically, trying to stay away from the side where the trees were. Somehow I just <laughs> kept drifting towards the trees. That's important. Yeah, you don't want to hit the trees. And then I, so I paid like 20 bucks to take a lesson, and I was fine. Yeah. And I was fine from there on out. But yeah, you're not, not alone. It's not something I'll ever forget. That's yeah, people always get nervous their first time. It's like half the people on the mountain are the first time you know? and i didn't pick up skiing because i didn't like the idea of my legs going in two different directions yeah yeah <laughs> splits are no fun <laughs> what are some of your hobbies outside of brewing i know we talked a little bit so yeah. i'm a little prepared i mean we you know i like snowboarding uh, normal things yeah i like to snowboard i like to i like to read i really like to cook i think that's like a big a big thing oh, really? in my life is cooking yeah and i say it's probably hard to find people in this industry that do what i do that don't enjoy cooking feel like you got to have some kind of yeah, there's love like or flair for it. Yeah, and there's just that natural connection between brewing and cooking and combining ingredients to make a flavorful You product, obviously you know? need something to eat while you drink. Right, yeah, that too. That helps. <laughs> um, yeah, I play I play bass guitar as well. I've been playing for years. I always try to phrase I play bass. I'm not a bass player. What got you interested in playing bass? Uh, well, man, well, when I was young, so I, I've been playing, I 
I've had at Maystar since early high school years. Um, I used to love the Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was a kid. All right. Uh, up until about stadium, some crazy bass action. Yeah, you know, Flea was just always cool, and I, I, I really love the slap, the slap, uh, funk side of the bass. Slapping the bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really love that side. You know, and I love like Motown music, and I, and I love just you know funk in general. Nice. I just think the bass is just super interesting. And I was actually thinking of getting one this summer. Oh, you should. It's great. <laughs> They're fun. I really, I really are. I, I play guitar a little bit, but I'm like, you'll pick I don't, it up then, as long as you can. I feel like I'd be more into the bass. Yeah, it's fun, and they go hand in. I mean, I have I have a couple guitars as well. You know, it's fun to switch switch on and off. But I just love I love the bass, the reverberation, the deep sound. It's just fun. It's nice to be the guy that sets the beat. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's funny because I know a handful of brewers that are also bass players. Um, one of them actually said, uh, "All brewers are failed musicians." Like, nice. Well, <laughs> all right. I guess you could make an argument for that. Yeah, I was like, all right, cool. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of your favorite albums? Oh, wow. Uh, like, back in the day, I mean, Mother's Milk was, like, the best. I used to love that. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, I love Marcus Miller. Victor Wooten is, like, probably one of my favorite bass players. He was the bass from Bela Fleck. Okay. Fleck Tones. Yeah. Just really awesome. I like I like a variety of different music. I mean, Segway, I love The Temptations. That's, like, probably one of my favorite bands, too. Some great stuff. Yeah. You know? Stuff that makes you want to move. <laughs> Basically. So you went to school for English. Mm. Were you ever into writing or anything like that? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I always, part of the reason I did English is I just, it always was more natural to me to have to, you know, maybe read something and write a report mm-hmm. that's a reflection of my ideas. You know, to me, a large part of when you're doing literary studies or, or anything is pulling out something from the text and, um, you know, finding a way to say, you know, this is why it's important and here's why. So, like, arguing a point and defending it, yeah. essentially, right? And that was always easier to me because there was more bending in the lines than, you know, five times four, you know what I mean? Like, there, where there's an exact answer, this way I can say, well, you know. And as long as I am articulate enough and can defend it and use enough other points from the text and, and other, other uh, sources, you can make it work. Yeah. Um, so that that was what got me into it and then when I was studying English I really did like creative writing I mean that's that's really where it's at nice have you been able to do anything with that at all or is it yeah I have a couple uh, <laughs> I have I have a couple uh, folders that are password protected on my computer okay. I have some old you know like poetry and some other stuff but uh, we've yeah. all been we've all been there yeah yeah you know I, I can't say it's ever ever blossomed in anything um, that I've put out there drunken college nights where yeah. you read it with friends and you're like that's yeah, awesome so great <laughs> I'm awesome yeah that or, or that or writing it by yourself and like geez I hope my friends never read this one well, I go back and read it. Wow, I was depressed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you finished college. Not sure what you want to do. How do you get started on the brewing path? So my father was always did like a little bit of home brewing. Um, wasn't like super advanced or anything. You know, bucket homebrew set up. So that was kind of in my head. But also, you know, the more I thought about it, my my father had a close uh, friend that uh, owns a bar out in White Lake, which is kind of in between almost Utica and Old Forge. Okay. And when we were kids, we'd go up there every summer, maybe a couple of times, and, uh, you know, to visit the bar, you know, camp around the surrounding area. But we would always have to go to FX Mac, which is, you know, where Saradac is made, Utica Club and such, and do the tour. 
they'd always have to do the tour. And after the tour, my dad would get his beer and I'd get like my root beer. <laughs> right? And I, I used to hate it when I was a kid. Like, I hated the smell of beer being made. Really? Uh, yeah, I just didn't like it. I but, remember, yeah, when I first started having a few beers, I'm like, this, this all just tastes the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do people like this so much? Yeah. And now I love it. And so, now I do a podcast where part of it is right. <laughs> yeah, coming, I mean, coming full circle. Yeah, right. And that's kind of like where I, 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 I like look back and thought subconsciously, maybe there was always something being uh, in my head about beer. It's always connection to beer. You know, my, my family likes beer <laughs> quite a bit. That um, helps. Yeah, so... Uh, I always kind of think that was background, and, and one of the um, assistant coaches when I was at Trinity, uh, before I got in the business, uh, that was kind of where him and I really started getting into this craft beer scene, as it's known, and we'd go over to you know, the local package stores, it's called Connecticut, and do the mix sixes and yep. mix up, and just start trying stuff, and then, you know, we talk about homebrew, and he'd homebrew a batch, and I'd homebrew a batch, we'd try them all, and I, I think at that point in time, it was in my head, but it wasn't something that was feasible yet until I came back home and just was looking for jobs like everything sucks I don't want to do this you know I just don't want to do literally any of this but I wouldn't mind making beer all day uh, and that's where it started and I just really just started putting myself out there and I, I owe uh, so much of where I'm at today to Gary Brown uh, owner of Brown's Brewing Company and, and Greg Stacy, who at the time was you know the marketing director VP whatever the hell his title Brown's was. is where you started right yeah yeah so like I, I owe a lot to those guys for for one you know hiring me letting yeah. me in the industry but also knowing you know when I went on that interview I, I even made it clear I was like well, look like I have no experience in sales I want to be in the brewing industry my end goal is to be a brewer um, and, and still give me the chance knowing that you know I wouldn't be there forever and, um, so I definitely owe a lot to those guys I still enjoy, you know, well, once a year or so, I see Gary and we hammer back some beers. <laughs> and Greg, I see, you know, quarterly. We'll say quarterly. <laughs> so how, how tough is it getting started in, like, the brewing field at places that are already established instead of, like, starting your own place? Just, like, yeah, well, I mean, that. starting your own place is, is I mean, it's, instrumental, like, so much more challenging. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, least of which is money. You know, you need money. It's weird. When I started, it was kind of at this, I don't want to say early craft. I only talked eight years ago. You know, craft beer has been around since, depending on how you define craft, since, you know, what, like late 80s or so. Oh, yeah. Um, it's definitely been when, uh, But when I started, there was more of an opportunity to kind of get in with little to no experience, as long as there was somebody above, like above you. I mean, yeah. when I started at, here as an assistant, I had no formal experience brewing on anything, you know, other than homebrew batches, which is... Still a lot of similarities, but still drastically different. And um, what's it like to go from a home brew straight to like a big? It's kind of scary. I mean, the the, the process is the same it takes the same amount of time, really. You know, I mean, some systems move a lot faster, but it's just scary because you have lots of big equipment, lots of pressure. You know, like little physical psi like in these tanks. Yeah. You know, there's gas. You know, you can have a CO two leak. CO2 leak in a core, kill yourself and everyone know, you know. Uh, you're, you're, instead of boiling a five-gallon pot that you can pull off the flame when, it, when a boiler is about to start, you got 310 <laughs> gallons. And there's horror stories in the industry, too, of like them coming over and splashing on people and, and burning the hell out of people. And the chemicals we use here are not, you know, serious chemicals as opposed to at home. You're using some, like, unscented non-dish soap to clean my stuff. You know? <laughs> this is a little different. So I think that part's a little scary, and and you're almost like destined to make mistakes too, which that kind of adds on to this little bit of fear, I guess, or nerve nervous energy, I guess you could call it. Because um, I've made some mistakes that were not cool. 
Anything real noteworthy? Yeah, here actually. And that, that tank over there for Mentor 5, which is one you see with the orange ladder against it. We're looking, oh, yeah. at, we're looking oh. at the backside of it. I love to uh, take some pictures. Oh, uh, yeah. I was squatting down. I was getting ready to, or I was taking off a sample valve. The sample valve is attached to the butterfly valve, which is attached to the tank. All right. right. So the butterfly valve, when that's on, you can open and close. You can allow flow to go out or not. I was talking to Ryan, the head brewer at the time, and I always like to blame him because he was distracting me from my work. It's always someone else's fault. It was always his fault. And I, instead of taking off the sample valve, I accidentally popped off the butterfly valve. If you take that off, the tank's full. There's nothing to stop that liquid from coming oh, out, man. right? And it caught me right in the chest. I mean, it like almost slammed me back to the wall. Blasted oatmeal stout everywhere. Ryan, quick thinking, so, just threw his hand over so it. So beer's just spraying everywhere. everywhere. And it was, oh. it, it didn't drop the yeast off yet, so it was like, a, it was a oatmeal stout. I still remember it was dark beer, <laughs> roasty smelling and yeasty, bready smelling. And Ryan thought quick, put his hand over at the cap it for a second. He goes, you're going to have to get blasted again, bud, because then we had to get the valve ready to do it one more time to get the valve back on, so... That wasn't pleasant. Is is the pressure too high to try to sit there with your mouth open and yeah. see what you can okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's all I popped into my head. Yeah. But if like, you open your mouth on that, it's going to be coming out of your ass pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I think I'm going to take just a, a little pause to get another beer yeah. here. So that's all right. And we will be right back. All right, we're back. Made it. Made it back up the steps. <laughs> Actually, I think one of the coolest things about this place is the fact that all the beer and the brewing is basically done on the second floor, looking down on everyone. Yeah, it's intense. Uh, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's a little terrifying sometimes. It, it's cool because there's not any other places I've been to or have seen that have this kind of setup. The place is ridiculously unique and, and really a special spot. Hopefully it stays here for many more years. And I went with my second ditch digger. Nice. I went with another sour, you know. <laughs> All right, so we were talking about your brewing mishap there. <laughs> yeah, it was a mishap. So you started at Browns. You worked at Mad Jack in Schenectady. I, w- I went Browns to here. Browns to here, okay. Then to Mad Jack, then to Connecticut, and then back here. So what was the opportunity opportunity in Connecticut? Well, I mean, every every move I'd say I've made, other than maybe this last one when I came back home, was you know for professional advancement. So. Yeah. When I was here and I went to Magic, it was an opportunity to become a head brewer and, you know, build the resume and get more experience, get a little bit more money. Um, and then that was the same thing going from Magic to, to City Seam. City Seam's a, a large operation. It's larger than this. And they also do a fair amount of contract brewing as well. Oh, and, really? and City Seam, again, when I was there, celebrated their 20 years. So another oh, nice. long-standing brew pub. Um, they're pretty well known around Connecticut. They did distribute here for a little bit, but their beer is the Naughty Nurse, which is basically like an amber ale. Naughty Nurse. I feel uh, like I've heard of it. Yeah, everyone in Connecticut knows what the Naughty Nurse is. And it was, it was sprinkled up here a little bit, but um, most of the distribution is in CT. Um, but it was the same thing, just a, a better opportunity. It's uh, a lot more money because that was a lot bigger operation. Yeah. Are there differences between brewing and between states or anything like that? I'm just curious. Uh, like regulation Oh, or yeah. I mean, regulations. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Connecticut's real screwy. I don't know. There, yeah, there are differences. Um, there's all sorts of differences from like how you have to report your taxes. One of the things I thought was really screwy in Connecticut and is it's really important, right? You have to have clean lines, right? You need a good vessel for your beer to be served to the people. Yeah. It has to be clean and sanitary. Uh, the Brewers Association, right? The, that backs all the science and all the study behind it says recommends every two weeks. 
Okay. Somehow Connecticut knows better, and you legally have to or are supposed to clean your lines every single week. So it's a state law there? It's a state law. There's a, a, a log you have to fill out, wow. which, I mean, I've never seen anyone enforce it. I, have, I, mean, I was only there for a couple of years, but I've never seen anyone enforce it. never heard of anyone enforce it, but it's just mind-blowing to me that this you know, Puritan New England state is suddenly going to say they know more than the Brewers Association. It was just like a little thing, but it was just so ridiculous. Like, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good because you're holding people accountable, but are you holding people accountable? It's, you don't have the money over there to enforce it, it doesn't seem like. It's like, what's the point? I don't know. <laughs> when the head brewer spot opened up here, what was it about this position that brought you back? Uh, major I, didn't, the I didn't look for this position. The position came looking for me, actually. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil reached out to me. Um, just wanted to go a, a little bit different direction in the brewery and fine-tune things here a little bit. Um, he liked me when I was here as an assistant. And, and, you know, I know they wish they probably could have just kept me the whole time. Um, so it was just an opportunity. He reached out to me. And at first, I didn't really want any of it. And then, you know, I got more and more intrigued, more we talk. And, again, I think the big thing that brought me back is this is home. And, you know, I love I love this place. I mean, hold it a special place for my heart. One, I worked here. Yep. Um, I used to come to River Rat Games all the time. I was a kid with oh, my father. Man, we come not, here, you know. I miss the River Rat Games. Me too. I really do. It's kind of a shame. Albany I wish, Devils. I wish I could have draw, drew more people. But, because, you know, I used to come here then, you know. So, I... I I've been in this place for years in one way or another and i want to make sure it stays so i knew i could help with that that's awesome so in a previous episode i talked to kind of beer historian craig ravina like actually recorded right where we're sitting ravina he's yeah. here today oh was he yeah 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 i'll team it up for our next uh history brew nice and of course we went into a little a lot more detail on the pump station he goes into detail. Yeah. <laughs> it was great You're because craig I had, I had my notes, and he's just answering questions before I even asked him, yep. just in his normal story. Tone. Sounds right. It was great, though. It was a great episode. Go listen to it. Yeah. But for, Super anyone, guy. for anyone that hasn't, what's uh, like a brief synopsis on the CH episode? So, because it's been around a while. Yeah, so every Saturday we do these um, tours through Groupon, and Neil likes to start out with describing the two histories that make this place. Um, so technically our name is... C.H. Evans Brewing Company at the Albany Pump Station. Um, that's split into two histories that we both thought were, uh, can be a little confusing marketing, but we thought were very important to the integrity of this location. Yeah. C.H. Evans Brewing Company, founded in 1786, massive ale producer in the region. I mean, shouldn't say massive. They produce around 100,000 barrels, which is a lot. In comparison, we produce around like 1,000 right now. Yep. So, compared to this place. Uh, operated, you know, successfully for many years until basically Prohibition. The owner at the time was kind of almost like a staunch libertarian government's, you know, coming and messing with my business, screw this, I'm over and done with it. Whereas other breweries would steamroll and do some other things uh-huh. to wait it out. He did not, sold it off. There's a lot of uh, uh, stories of what happened after that, but essentially the whole facility burned to the ground some years later. Gone out and out of business. Uh, in 1999, C.H. Evans IV, Neil, current owner um, decided to open up again in his family name, open a brewery in his family name in this building, which was once the Albany water pumping station. Yep. So this building literally pumped water from the Hudson River Hudson River up Clinton Avenue to Bleecker Reservoir, which is now Bleecker Stadium. For anyone that's been there, that's why it's a bowl like that. Um, and then from there, it was the city's municipal water from like the late 1870s to the late 1920s when people realized drinking downstream river water from Troy and everywhere else is a bad idea. 
and then it went over to uh, they they switched their water source to the Alcove Reservoir, which is where we still currently get our brewing and drinking water. Um, and this place just sat vacant until until Neil finally convinced the city to sell it. Really cool building. Uh, it's one of very, my favorite buildings in Albany. That's it favorite. really is. And you know when he bought it, so where we're sitting in this whole other level where you see the brewery and the steps. That all the that's all the maroon steel. Uh, that's what was put in. So this is just a big hollow shell. Um, we still had the original. Obviously, the brick walls are original. We're on the National Historic Registry. The brick walls original. The single pane windows are still original, which is kind of unbelievable. Nobody that is, broke them out, threw rocks at them and stuff. Yeah, that I did not know. That's yeah. super impressive. Yeah, it's cool, except for the fact that it's a lot of money to heat and cool the place. But we knew that was a, you know, Neil knew that was a cost just, of business. just got to sell some more beer, man. That's it, yeah. Um, the other original things other than the walls and the windows are the two 20-ton bridge cranes and the um, original slate tile roof. So our roof's over 140 years old. Oh, wow, that I didn't know either. Yeah, he Neil actually had to bring in an, uh, an engineer because people were telling him you're going to have to redo the roof. It's slate. And yeah, I guess traditionally slate can be built on like a, still like a wooden frame, which over time moisture would rot out the wood. Yeah. But I guess when they, they brought the gentleman in to look at these, um, they're actually woven, which you can't really see from here, you can see them outside. They're actually woven um, with iron, basically. So kind of oh, wow. sewed onto the roof. It's um, good thinking on whoever put that Yeah, it probably cost a fortune back then. I mean, it's great because we haven't had a fix yet. I mean, we do spray in a, you know, a couple leaks here and there when it rains really, really heavy. Um, but other than that, you know, been pretty good to us. We think that adds a little character. Yeah. <laughs> the leaks. A little bucket collecting yeah. water next to your burger. You know? When you come back to take over the brew in here, the C.H. Evans name, of course, going back over 200 years, what's it like coming back as the head brew of a place with that kind of history attached to the name? Um, as opposed to it's, previous it's, places. I think in terms of like the history of the place, I don't think it's super reflective of the old original brewery, but there is still a 20-year history of this place, right? A brewery beer here, here in Albany. Uh, and there is something to be said for that. Uh, there's certain things that are expected of you, you know? I mean, like, uh, I would never be able to say, I'm, hey, Neil, I'm not going to brew kick-ass brown anymore. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. It's, it's our staple beer. It may not be our biggest selling beer anymore, but it's our staple and it's a name we're known for. Yeah. And it wasn't a, a beer that I created, which is a part of the brewing world. When you go in and you absorb something, you know, you need to set your pride aside a little bit and you keep doing these things. Granted, I think I made that better beer, but uh, <laughs> uh, the changes that I made, I think. Do it in your more, own horn. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that uh, a lot of brewers will do. They'll say they change this and it's either for a... What kind of pressure is that like to keep going something that's established then? Eh? There's a lot of pressure, you know. Um, I had this big time when I went to City Steam, too. You're talking 20 years. And in City Steam, they had one brewer for 19 years. Oh, wow. Um, Ron Page, who's actually like a, lo- a legend in the, you know, the, the old brewery community. And um, there's, a, there's a fair amount of pressure there. I think what I also love about this and what excited me about taking over both these places was that there's this standard of the two places, but that standard is kind of old school. Yeah. Right? And the places needed to be pushed in the new direction while still maintaining some of that old integrity. And I think that's the exciting part is, hey, you know, New England IPAs are dominating the market right now. Why are we not making this? You know, and like, I can make a good one. Boom. What's our number one selling beer now? Ditch Digger. Is Japan. it? Yeah. By far. I was going to ask. By far. And part of that's it's just paying. tasty. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Part of it's just paying attention to the trends, but the other part of it is just, you know, you have you can't 
you know, yeah, kudos, you've been in business doing it for 20 years, but you have to adapt I mean, with any business. So what kind of freedom when you come in do you have to experiment with new beers? Uh, thankfully, uh, Neil, in the, in the last place I worked uh, at City Steam, they've both been um, do you, and that's what I do. Uh, I think at City Steam my first year, I made like 60 different beers. Different beers. Holy shit. It's not 60 brews, 60 yeah. different beers. And people loved it. And, you know, people like, oh, I like that one beer. We're going to get a brewery again. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I do have free creativity here. I mean, every single beer I, I put my hands in. Quackenbush Blonde is a beer that's been here forever. And I honestly think that's our best one of, if not the best beer on draft right now. And that was a, a recipe I reformulated from ground up. I think I'll grab one of those before I leave for sure. It's great. You know, just classic cold style ale. Good ingredients make good beer. <laughs> So we talked about, of course, the famous prohibition coming along, basically putting the kibosh on everything. And only recently, the C.H. Evans beers have started popping up in other places, right? Since yeah. prohibition for the first time. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've done a little bit of selling out of house, kind of just you know, Neil. Um, so the original C.H. Evans Brew Company is located in Hudson. Yep. Um, Neil still has a strong foothold in Hudson, family there, and, and restaurants and, and, and bars and whatnot. That's still like to carry our beer right so we've always had a little bit of a pipeline of beer to hudson and sprinkle here and there whatever the brewers personally sold around the area um, but since i came in one of the big things i knew we needed to do is sell more beer and um, we signed down with craft brewers guild which is a local craft beer distributor in the area about oh, a month right. ago so um, you'll be seeing the the ch evans sticks out and about on draft around the capital district and beyond so yeah and if you're out there at other random places certain and you see that certainly give it a try yeah for sure please so uh keep the the pumps yes keep the evans name going what's the personal favorite that you've brewed do you have one or are they all your children uh no no i definitely make beers even people will say i love them i'm like i don't like this beer Uh, and you know that doesn't mean it's bad beer it just means i don't like it but i'm not brewing for me right one of my personal favorites think is gonna probably either be that blonde recipe or i really like the capital light which is not an exciting beer it's a 3.8 percent american light lager well sometimes those are the beers you need just something to you know sip on and yeah i mean look i'm in this industry you've been around craft beer everything is just loaded with hops or fruit in the case i'm drinking right now it's both of those things and every once in a while, you just want to take it a step back and drink like grandpa's beer yeah you know but a good one you know what i mean it's got good flavor Right. It, t- target beer style, different ingredients, different flavor profile, right? So, yeah. like, that is what I'm shooting for, but there's more character to it and, and a little bit more flavor and locality to it that uh, really it's just a great beer. And those beers are hard to, like, mess up on. You know? Which one was the most popular, you think? The Ditch Digger? Oh, no, 100%. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. Ditch Digger's most popular. I think number two is probably our blonde. Okay. We, you know, that's another thing, too, about our locations. We are a full-service restaurant, and not everyone comes in here It's a craft beer geek. Oh, yeah, We absolutely. don't serve any other beer but ours. So, you know, it is important to always have on that light beer. Something comparable yeah. to something. But, but to still pay attention to it and make it a really good beer, not just yeah. make, like, some crappy yellow fizz, you know. No, your business. Old. You want to have something yeah, that can yeah, serve yeah. whatever customer walks in the door. That's right. So what have been some of your favorite opportunities, opportunities since you've come back and taken over? To start selling beer out of house. I mean, I think to start distributing the area is a big deal. It's never been done here, not on this scale that we're, that we're pushing for. 
something that's really unique about this industry. And <laughs> I always tell this to people that are out on tap, like be cautious who you're checking and stuff around. It's it, it's fine, right? You know, you're gonna critique things and give it your own your own jive, but you know, that's still like what we do for a living. And, and you know, just be nice, be nice about it. You don't have to like it, but don't don't don't, don't crucify me. But it's it's getting beer out there and having people, you know. I work my balls off in this place, and at the end of the day, to see someone like enjoy a product is awesome, right? Yeah. It's even more cool when I could be sitting at a different bar and see somebody um, be like, "Oh wow, this kick-ass man is really good." Like that's that's cool. that's pretty rewarding. Do you have anything special brewing or exciting coming down the pipeline here? Yeah, so a couple things. One, this Skyway sour is going to be a rotating. Um, it's a kettle sour, so we basically sour it hot side. Um, before we go into a fermenter with lactobacillus, which is similar to what you can get in like yogurt. All right. Um, so like, you know, tart, kind of one note, tart, tart beer. Uh, but we're going to rotate the fruits we put into it. So the first one I have here is it was pink guava, but we're going to use whatever, raspberry, apricot, name. Um, so those will be probably sticking around here, especially since more and more people are asking for sour beer. Oh, yeah. What's really unique to this place in my experiences, I mean, craft beer, you can go to a lot of craft beer bars. You're not going to see a lot of heavy license, right? German wheat beer. No. You don't see it. No, you don't really see that. Well, this place, people like their heavy license. Uh, it's a big seller here. Um, I kind of took it off for like mid-fall through the winter and... Complaints? Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> but I love that beer and I think I make a pretty good one. So we're going to be bringing that back. I'm actually brewing that tomorrow. So that's the grain oh, you see nice. downstairs. We'll have that coming out. I do have some double IPAs and some versions of the Ditch Digger coming out as well. Um, we're going to do a double dry hop version of Ditch Digger. Oh, really? Which is ironic because Ditch Digger's always been double dry hop, but that word, DDH, that double dry hop trigger word, man, it's huge. Um, so probably be a version of Ditch Digger with just more. <laughs> yeah. I'm down, for the, I'm down for giving that a try. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Something I'm super excited about coming up in a couple of weeks, the New York Craft Brewers Festival coming up March 9th at the Desmond Hotel. Yeah. Uh, CH, you'll be there with the CH Evans name? We is, will be uh, there. What can, any idea what's going to be on tap for people? Yeah, time? so I'm going to bring the Skyway Sour with Guava, and I'm actually going to bring a uh, an individually a special hop keg of Ditch Digger. So I'm going to take Ditch Digger and basically put more hops in the keg. Oh, all right. Give it a little extra boost. May bring some uh, 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 crawlers or, or something of some of our strong ale to sample, but uh, I'm not sure. I may just roll two this festival. <laughs> there's a lot of beer there, so there's you know, yeah, there's a lot. You, you, everyone wants to bring a million beers, which is fun, but there's so many beers you end up having to carry so much home. There's only so much those us drunks walking around. Can yeah, that too. <laughs> you got to <laughs> run out somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to taste as many different beers as possible. Yeah, that's but, a great festival. Paul Leon is the executive director of the Brewers Association. He's done an amazing job. I don't know, he's been there five years, maybe, or something like that. Um, just done a really great job um, of getting New York State beers on the map. And this is a great event because, one, it's celebrating all New York breweries. Um, but, you know, a lot of these beer fests, you go to and there's a dime, there's a dime a dozen. There's so many of them now. Oh, yeah. This one is the Brewers, or the owner. One of the two is going to be pouring your beer. So if you've got questions, that's the festival go to ask them. Yep. Um, and I'll be talking to at least someone from the Brewers Association. I've been in touch with them. I'll be walking around my recorder and microphone. Make so sure Paul talks to you. <laughs> that's you that's who I've be been Paul. emailing with. Yeah, that's Paul. He's a good, really good guy. And, Easy to uh, talk to. So if anyone sees me there walking around, feel free to stop and say hi. Certainly if you hear this before that happens. So uh, many people are just going to be screaming in your microphone. 
<laughs> we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try to turn it into a, like an episode or two. We'll see. It'll be an experience. I think it'll be fun. It's going to be fun because clearly as the four hours go by, I'm going to be more drunk. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I'm curious because I've been to a few Brewfest. What's it like on your side of the table pouring the beer? Uh, my side of the table, around? when you go to a lot of beer fests, to listen to the podcast you're going to do sounds like a nightmare. Um, because that's, you know, it's the same thing. A lot of times you go to these beer fests, you're traveling, right? Yep. So you can only imbibe so much if you want to be responsible, right? Definitely going to have to pace myself. I'm it aware of that. It tiring over time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you get a lot of the same questions, same things. But they're, they're good. They're fun. This one's a blast, right? Like, I would never have any qualms with this one. Some of the other ones that probably be like, yeah, you know, no, I probably won't go. Or I'm going to send one of our, our staff to go yep. or something. I ain't going to that one. Um, this one's really well done. There's a pretty good mature audience that comes there. It's I've been well to this run. one once before, and it, yeah. was, it was really great. It's good. And this year they're opening up more rooms so it doesn't get congested. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really good time. I don't even know. I, there are still tickets available, I believe, but it's going to sell out. So if you haven't bought them yet, you may want to check oh, it yeah, out. Oh, yeah, it usually does. Yeah, I bought mine early. I got the VIP one, so I'm in an hour oh, early, baby. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is four hours of footage. I'm just as curious as everyone else to see how this is going to turn out. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I'll listen to it. That's what I like to hear. Spread the word. <laughs> Spread the word. Oh, that was cool. Something I want to, a segment I want to get into and uh, called Booze in the News. Hmm. I sent you an article or two. I don't know if you had a chance to check them out. But this one, I wanted to talk about this just because of how fantastic the idea is. And I'm hoping someone local can help me become one of the participants if it happens around this area. Which one was this? This is police seek volunteers to drink to excess. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. You know what? I didn't read through it here because I saw it online. It was like, yeah, exactly. Ah! This is an NPR article, so yep. I'm considering it legit. Legitimate news. <laughs> So, police seek volunteers to drink to excess, and this is an article about one Pennsylvania police department was given three lucky volunteers the chance to help train offers, officers, it's that bitch digger, <laughs> two of them in like an hour and a half, catching up. So, alright, they were looking for volunteers to help train officers in field sobriety tests by drinking a lot. So, police were looking for three volunteers, providing the alcohol for them. Mm. To help train their police officers. I wonder what that consent form that that lawyer had to draft up looked like. It's a, it's pretty hilarious. Don't, of course, don't bother. This was a while ago, only a couple months ago. But I feel like they were probably better off just asking a few people they may know because they put this out there. They only need three people, but they got certainly over <laughs> 1,500 responses I'm in sure. like a day. And this was in Cootstown Borough Police Department. So, and the, one of my favorite parts that, uh, I don't know if this happens or not, but this was in Pennsylvania Dutch country, so I don't know if any Amish people applied in their horse and buggy, <laughs> and this started me off like down a rabbit hole today, talking with my co-workers. There's obviously DUIs when people are driving motor vehicles. What if, in Pennsylvania Dutch country, you pull over a drunk Amish person Hasn't this in their happened? horse and buggy? It's funny. This is what started the rabbit hole. We started looking up like DUIs from people riding the horses and things yeah, like yeah. that. As it turns out, I guess it really just depends on the state uh, and their regulations. A lot of these instances seem to happen in Texas. Well, <laughs> go big. Called riding under the influence. Ah. But, and of course, there's the Florida instance, which I feel like 
if you ever have a bad it has idea, has its own name, the Florida instance. Well, I say that because I feel like <laughs> for you, everything, absolutely. If you ever have a bad idea or have a, an idea in general and you wonder if it's bad, just type in your idea in the word Florida yeah. because it's happened there. <laughs> I could see that it's it has. happened there. Yeah, when I first heard that riding your bike intoxicated was a thing, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm trying well, to be responsible over here. Absolutely. And <laughs> I'd like to think that was the idea behind these people as well. But it seems to be the one key flaw in their plan of riding their horse home intoxicated was riding it, taking the horse down an actual main road. Yeah, or highway. <laughs> like, obviously that stands out. Yeah, right? I know I watched a cops, a cops episode once when they... Arrested some guy that was hammered on like a tractor driving down the road. There's you know, always, like there's always, yeah, there's always the lawnmower, the riding <laughs> yeah, lawnmower, the lawnmower busted. Mower, yep. That's a DUI. Bummer. They of course had an overwhelming response, and uh, one of the favorite line in the article, and of course they have to be willing to drink hard liquor to the point of inebriation. <laughs> So there's no fucking around. Yeah, They're yeah. not trying to waste time with beer just or wine. They're just take shots. Yep. <laughs> I'd do it. And I was joking. For science. Like, like I said, I was talking about this with a buddy at work, and we started joking around. What if this is their way around their limited party budget? Yeah. <laughs> like, they have... You work in an office, or... You work a couple of pizzas, people. too. You, have, you usually have a limited budget when it comes to parties and morale. Yeah. What if you can fit that stuff under the operations budget as training? Let's be and then you find Exactly. And then you find the three lightest weight drinkers you can find. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> might, might have been the case. This is freaking brilliant. Yeah, genius. It's good to know that town's in, in good hands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what was it? The post was shared over 1,400 times. All kinds of fun comments and stuff, but they... Let's see. A lot of people asked if there was a spectator area. Oh, uh, yeah. That, would be, that would be fun, too. That would be fun. Will this count as credit for my community service? That is a brilliant question. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't I imagine, like, the, the lawyering up the police department had to do to the consent form. You know what I mean? Well, apparently. So, Someone had to sign off on this. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely stipulations. Like you may not. First and foremost, you had to have a sober companion to bring you there and home. Oh, you can't spend the night. <laughs> no, Bomber. and you're not getting drunk enough. Right? No, and requirement the requirement was participants would have to be within the ages of 25 to 40, which anyone everyone over 40 was angry. <laughs> of course, being good health, not have a previous alcohol dependency. Oh, which I feel like that's the kind of well, people trying you're to get you drunk. No, really. Tolerance. Again, it goes back to the cheap date yeah. type thing. You might be honest. Get the lightest weights they can, so there's more booze for the cops after when they're off shift. Of course, you might be honest. I'm gonna put this out there for anyone that knows any local trooper, troopers, policemen, or anyone in the Albany or Schenectady area. I'm happy to volunteer if this kind of training goes on, and I would love to turn it into a podcast episode. <laughs> All right, I know one. I won't mention his name. Yeah, don't, don't mention his name. See how they train people on <laughs> dealing with intoxicated people. I yeah. feel like you need to have some kind of range, though. That's true. That's why I was really curious about... You're in Pennsylvania, Dutch, Dutch country. Obviously, there's an Amish population around there. I don't know if Amish people get into alcohol outside of, like, rum sprina or something like that. I don't know. I have no idea if Amish check out. I would think Gogas are heavily religious, but that doesn't mean anything, I guess. I have no idea. Do the Amish drink? Probably not. I feel like no. <laughs> I'm 
I'd say I, they do, but they don't. You know, it's like one of those things. Under the table? Yeah. Uh, uh, Grandpappy's got a bottle of rum on her. They're the real moonshiners? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Other, but, like I said, when I was talking about this at work today, and it led me down a rabbit hole of other DUI possibilities outside of car and horse. I think I just, and a buddy told me about a website, Lowering the Bar or something like that. It's basically a website full of hysterical arrest records and law and uh, court cases. Yeah. And I found some great stuff. <laughs> the headline on this one was, Another Motorized Beer Cooler DUI. Oh, like little <laughs> cores riding around on tailgating? Oh, no, no. On. As in, like, they took the bottom of a go-kart with a small motor oh. and the four wheels. Oh. Strapped a cooler on. Oh, that's not even... And he's driving it around, steering it with, like, a scooter. Oh. <laughs> this particular one was in Australia. I thought you were talking about those little coolers that have, like, motor. No, no, these guys literally legitimately sitting on a cooler full of beer, drunk, driving it like it's a go-kart. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> so, a 23-year-old Australian man ended up being fined $500. I found a lot of these... Uh, Riding animals while intoxicated stories don't necessarily end in DUIs or DWIs. A lot of other types of fines. Yeah. Usually like drunken public, animal abuse or things like that. There was probably a public urination one in there somewhere. Yeah. I'm close to a few of those. Well, you know, it's not public. (laughs) Is it really public urination if it's involuntary? That's true. (laughs) That is true. Close there too. So, my favorite thing about this one, let's see, there was the 23-year-old Australian man driving his motorized beer cooler, which if you look these up, dude, just do an image search on Google. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'll do that. I used to love show cops for almost this exact reason. Just watching this it really ridiculous. is just <laughs> arresting rednecks. Mostly. Yeah, sometimes you're just like, what the hell? So, it is. it was considered a motor vehicle in Australia, at least. So, I don't know what it's like in the States. But he named the cooler Esky. E-S-K-Y. Sounds Australian. <laughs> and stra- it was strapped onto a 50cc engine. <laughs> he was cooking on that cooler. <laughs> uh, I think it only went like 13 miles it's an hour. It's fast though. for a beer cooler. It, <laughs> that's fast it's fast for any, I ever any motorized cooler. Yeah. Uh, I, never, I never drove a beer cooler that fast. No, but I kind of want to. <laughs> of course, the article also talked about Zambonis. Apparently... America leads the way in drunken Zamboni incidents. Yeah, I can see that. I would have thought it was Canada. Yeah, we probably would have went with Canada too, but because one of the articles we have rinks in Florida, though, so that is true. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. a team from Florida might win the Stanley Cup. Exactly, man. So, you know? but the there was an they had a case from like 2015 that said Canadians are catching up with America in drunken Zamboni incidents or something along those good, lines. Good, good. Like, how is sick. America in the? America is not in the lead of a lot of things, but for them to be in the lead, <laughs> well, I'm just so glad some other countries applying themselves. It's <laughs> can't let us be number one at everything. You know? No, absolutely. <laughs> well, this particular uh, beer cooler story mentioned an instance of a zamboni. A zamboni under New Jersey law is not considered a motor vehicle. Apparently, there was a drunken zamboni driver that took the zamboni through a Burger King drive-through. Nice. And I have to assume this Burger King had to be like right next door to whatever arena was storing the Zamboni where the cops would have got to him a lot sooner. Whoppers are life. He was arrested and charged with the DUI and from what I can gather it's because most of the time this is so uncommon enough that the cops don't know what to charge yeah, them with immediately. Yeah, at some point I think, alright. But he got overturned. Nice. 
So he didn't get the DUI, and it was something along the lines because of the judge saying he, he wasn't like on a highway or throughway and he couldn't carry passengers or something like that. But I've seen those. There's always like a little kid attached. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it seems like it carries a passenger yeah, a to little, me. A little high up passenger. I, guess, I mean, if you're trying hard enough, anything can have a passenger on it. <laughs> Well, that's the legal system doing what it's intended to do. But it is New Jersey, the armpit of America, so I suppose anything could go yeah. there. Yeah, Jersey problem. I'm not a Jersey guy. Oh, I've been told there's some pretty parts. I just haven't seen them. <laughs> Sorry, anyone listening from Jersey or Florida. Uh, I'm sure they understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other motorized instrument of transportation I came across was the DUI charge for a driver of a motorized bar stool. <clears throat> my initial thought after I after I processed that term motorized bar stool yeah. was an actual full size bar stool with somehow just a wheel attached to each leg but it was kind of set up when I did another Google image search and I highly recommend doing this because you'll <laughs> laugh and I'll put I'll take some of the pictures and put them on my Instagram it was basically they cut the height down so a bar stool like half the height and set it up the same way as the cooler, basically the bottom of like a go kart with the bar stool on it, and like what a, would you want to do that a for? scooter handlebar cool. to kind of maneuver it. People got a lot of time on it. They really do, and it was super impressive. <laughs> and this one was in Ohio. Let, let me read this one. A man in Ohio, however, may have done more than any other except possibly beer cooler guy, because they referenced that article to combine the activities of drinking and driving. Which are two things you don't want to combine, really, in any way, shape, or form. No. He was, he was charged with driving under the influence after admitting he consumed 15 beers before getting on his motorized bar stool. At least he was honest. He was honest. <laughs> the 28-year-old man was picked up by police, taken to the hospital after a friend called to report an accident. <laughs> Oops. I got a friend who wrecked a bar stool, said the caller, in 911 tapes. So he called 911 to report this. <laughs> tapes that release, they were released. So I didn't get a chance to find the tapes or listen to them, but I, I need to make that one of my goals. <laughs> Assuming the caller was referring to a non-vehicular accident inside the bar, the dispatcher asked whether the victim had suffered injuries in a fall. Um, no, the caller explained. He was riding a bar stool, a motorized bar stool. <laughs> The drunk one never gets injured, right? No. Do you, if you're a 911 caller in that situation, do you just hang up the phone because you think someone's screwing with you? I'm sure they would if they weren't, like, legally obliged not to because they can't. I feel, I feel like <laughs> if they... can they? I don't know. I, I, don't I, know, I feel I like the, if they believe it's a joke, they can just say, you're abusing the system and hang up on the person. That's probably... Well, I don't know if they can because I remember when I was a kid, I used to... I was a little really bad little kid and I used to always dial 911 and they always... Say, say like fart or something like that and then they would always call back call oh, back oh yeah I get in trouble for it call back I never called 911 as a kid I did call oh, the yeah. Nintendo hotline well that's cool 900 number <laughs> and my brother got blamed for it at first <laughs> oh it was 900 yeah until <laughs> the until up. they realized who was real my parents re- finally realized who was actually calling right. and then I got in trouble Fair. and then the last part of this was uh, one of my favorites first off they used the term stool driver, which I feel like could have <laughs> multiple meanings yeah. depending on your train of thought. I, know where my I start right Yeah, I started cracking up as soon as I heard that term. <laughs> I'm a stool driver. Always <laughs> a day. <laughs> the stool driver was charged after he told an officer at the hospital that he had been drinking. His injuries were minor, although the police the police he told police 
that the vehicle was capable of traveling at speeds of up to 38 miles an hour. Damn. This fucker was flying on a bar stool. stool. I, I don't think I would want to try that. I wonder, I wonder how he got hurt. <laughs> no. I'm curious if he hit something or I just fell off. <laughs> I also think of the Zamboni in the drive-thru, because you are super high above where that ordering speaker Must has to be. I had that little clearance bar before they drove through. Some, yeah, someone had the clearance bar, but I feel like you're going to have to either lean really far down. Maybe or they basically... had one of those little side seats, and the kid hopped out and got the game. Oh, food. impressive. <laughs> I feel like if there was a kid, he would have been in even more trouble. Yeah, yeah. And that would have sure. been mentioned. Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> And then, of course, one last article I saw that was super interesting. There's, you've heard the sayings, beer before liquor, never sicker. Yeah. It's like a, this last article I came across, well, there was a study done in the UK, and this article was from the Register, a UK publication. But the results were actually published in the American Journal of Nutrition or something like that, which is why I thought it was applicable, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And it had some fun uh, British terms. But they did a study, uh, basically... The thought of beer before wine and you'll be fine, which mm-hmm. I hadn't heard, which must be more of a European one, is bullshit. Beer before wine, you'll, you'll be, be fine. fine. I've heard the oh, beer yeah. before liquor never sicker or something like that. I tend to find that if it's just beer, I'm fine, and if it's anything else, there's a chance you could get sick. Uh, I know I've never gotten sick off of wine, but I've gotten like drunk. Oh, yeah, plenty of times. <laughs> I mean, like, a whole another level of drunk than I get off of beer. Liquor, yeah. I, I You know, liquor was one of those things I drank a lot when I was younger. And I, I don't really... I don't really mess with liquor anymore. It just doesn't do it for me. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, me either. It depends on what it is. But, like, you know, right now, you know, craft cocktails and craft spirits are huge. And they're, like, coming back and taking a shot at craft beers popular right now. And I'm like, I don't like those. Yeah, they're cool. They're fancy. There's a lot of creativity and work that goes into making you know this whatever shit drink it is but i don't like something that tastes like something like one thing and then it has like hint of booze in it yeah you know what i'm like oh, i don't like this but i do like tequila and i've gotten sick off of tequila yeah we all have yeah <laughs> i will get sick again off of tequila. <laughs> all right i had to take a little pee break there those dish diggers kicking in what goes in must come out hey, absolutely uh, but uh I'm back, bladder refreshed, and now I have a <laughs> quack and bush blonde. Yeah. So okay. this beer is great. Um, we've been brewing it for years. I totally revamped it when I came in. It's a cold style ale, so, you know, a cold fermented ale. It's brewed with oh, yeah, imported. Yeah, it's really nice. It's brewed with imported, floor malted Bohemian Pilsner, um, a little bit of Vienna malts, and um, a little bit of Dexter malt for some, a little bit of body, but just like a light beer it's flavorful it's grainy tasting it's just really good it is quite tasty thank you we'll wrap up this article here because there were a few other fun things about it i thought the way they set up this study basically proven that whatever saying you have is bullshit yeah (laughs) uh they got a bunch of volunteers did a couple experiments here in the first experiment 31 people slurped beer until their breath alcohol concentration because this is europe not blood alcohol level right Measured 0.05%, and then they sipped wine until it increased to 0.11. Another handful did the opposite. Another 31 participants repeated the same experiment, consuming wine before beer. So they had one group doing beer wine, one group doing wine beer. And then the control group that just drank specifically one or the other. A week later, they did the same procedure with basically 
the first group doing the opposite of what they did, wine before beer. Right. The second group doing the opposite, beer before wine. The control group drinking just wine. All in all, it was like they had like 100 participants. They asked them to kind of grade their hangovers. There we go. Yeah. After each hardcore sesh, as they refer to it, the students were asked to judge how drunk they were on a scale of 0 to 10. They were also quizzed on how bad their hangovers were in a questionnaire, assuming they could see straight. I like the underlying humor they decided to incorporate into this article. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then the researchers from the Witten Herdecke University in Germany and UK's University of Cambridge, so legit schools, yep. legit overseas schools, analyzed the results and found no special relationship between what order the different types of alcohol were consumed in. And the results were published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Uh, let's go a step further. What type of wine are they drinking? What type of beer? I get, that, if you were drinking, you know, let's say, you know, like, I don't know, a stout, and then you started drinking, you know, Moscato, which is just like sugary, that's true. sweet, I didn't. Know. There's nothing in this about the specific types of beer or wine used. The sugars, I think, to me, are what get me really hungover, at least in my head. So I drink like a lot of, you know, like high ABV beers, but that are like you know, super sweet as well. My body, sweet I'm, wines. Bang. I'm old enough to the point now where my body just starts to shut down before I even get to a, dr- a real drunk state. I, it's, I, it's like, I, I stop, throw up. stop yeah. now. Just I don't go think to bed. I can do that anymore. I know there's been some times in my recent years that I've like tried. Like, I'm just gonna get even, so drunk, and I just, I'll just pass out. Even when I've tried, I have not been able to do yeah. it. My body's like, just, just fucking go to bed. My body, yeah, you're right. And I think that's the thing that happens when you're older if you have a sensible brain. Which I thank my body for that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're working together. Like, that's enough. All right, my body's actually watching out for my me now <laughs> instead of me watching out for my body. Circle of life. So, <laughs> using, oh, I'm sorry. White wine and lager beer, but still, there's different percentages and different ingredients right, and things right, like yeah. that. They didn't find any truth to the idea that drinking beer before wine gives you a milder hangover, or the other way around. Again, this doesn't refer. This isn't about hard liquor, though. Yeah, I feel like if you're drinking hard liquor, you're in for a, yeah. a special treat. I think anyway. it just comes to overconsumption. It's easy to rip a bunch of shots with a wine <laughs> chaser, you know, than it is to drink. You know, I could sit down right now and drink ten shots of tequila. With a little, little splash of lime afterwards. Way faster than I can drink and then you, beers. And then you drink one beer and say it's because you yeah, missed. Yeah, I should have drank that beer first. <laughs> you shouldn't have drank that beer. That's what did it. Yep. I remember the old thing with wine was like, uh, you know, again, this is non-science. People always complain about sulfites. You know, okay. They put sulfites in wine to kill any wild yeast so that they control fermentation with the really? specific... Yeah, so if you look at your bottle of wine, unless you're drinking a raw wine, which is a natural wine, which you're not really going to find very I don't often. know a lot about wine and wine so making, what, but what, I do love drinking it. Well, what they do, I know, right? What <laughs> they do is they, you know, and again, I'm not a vintner, so I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about either, but essentially they, in cider makers do the same thing, hard cider. Um, they're taking the juice of this fruit, and on the skins of the fruits, there's all kinds of yeasts and bacteria and stuff, and what they do is they then add sulfites to it. That sulfites kills any of that shit, so that they can then pitch a nice... Uh, wine yeast or whatever, champagne yeast or whatever they're really looking for and then ferment it out. But sulfite sometimes is what people will blame like they get flush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see people, they, people like flush up or they yeah. get flush when they, when, they, when they drink red wine. Some people are allergic to sulfite so they get a little violent oh, wow. okay. So I've heard that. I don't know if that really ties in a hangover. I mean, I've said it before. I, I guess anything's possible. I've said a lot of things. <laughs> we 
all do. It's true. It's true. <laughs> to wrap up the article, the truth is that drinking too much of any alcoholic drink is likely to result in a hangover. It doesn't matter if the combination or anything like that. I don't know how much money they spent on I would love to know that. The fact that this was really? even a legit <laughs> yeah. uh, study. Yeah. Only in the UK, because I forgot what the age range was, but it started at 19, where you can drink younger over there anyway. The only reliable way of predicting how miserable you'll feel the next day is by how how drunk you feel and what whether you are sick. That there was a book. There you are. Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, science. Yeah. It's nice to know Watch you're out there <laughs> working for the people. Yeah. It wraps up fantastically in saying some participants were harmed during this procedure, <laughs> but eventually bounced back from their hangovers. <laughs> and... Oh, interestingly enough, uh, some of the poor sods, British term, I assume, <laughs> even reported vomiting, of course. Interestingly, this happened more often in the control group, so the people that weren't mixing. So I gather I should drink multiple different yeah. kinds of drinks if I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a little port after this beer. Exactly. Wrap up with a nice <laughs> red wine. <laughs> and also, women also threw up more than men in this experiment. I don't know why this was an experiment. <laughs> I, I think they were hoping for different results. Which brings me to a question. What's your worst hangover? Worst Anything that really stands out? Hangover. Yes. Um, I should, I, I wish, I, if I were a smarter person, I would say yes and point to one instance. Uh, but I've had a lot. Uh, I'm trying to think what my most recent, well, every year, uh, so another great beer festival in New York is Tap New York. Yeah. I mean, that is literally, we, you know, Friday, there's a Saturday festival, there's a Sunday festival. It's a whole weekend. Or Saturday, all the brewers stay there, we drink all day, we drink all night, then we wake up and do it again. That's so like this hangover where you're like, ah, I must drink more, and then you have to drink through that hangover. You, you have to drink through it so you feel better. Oh, and then Monday comes around, and you're like, fuck, it's really bad. And then also BCTC, Belgian comes to Cooperstown, which I was a little sad. I just found out today they uh, had to cancel this year's festival, but a uh, big festival at Omegang. And it's the same I need, concept. Oh man, I need to get out of the only game. It's really good. Been out there. It's, well, they can't listen. You just have to get the next year's festival. Oh, the facility itself is awesome. Yeah, so, I want to go out there. Like, so using it stuff it's only like, what, like an hour and a half hour. Or hour and a half. Probably not even an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. But they do all kinds of... Um, They've got some good concerts out there during the summer. Yeah, and they're really cool too. So like some of them, they offer food. You can like camp on yeah, the grounds. Yeah. And that's what... Belgium comes to Cooperstown was like you literally camp around the beer fest. It's insane. I got a lot of fun ideas I want to do for this podcast. Some of them involve road trips. Yeah, that's that would be a good one to go to. So let's wrap up. Oh yeah, what was bad hangover experience? Anything that stands out? Oh, I'm gonna say after every single year that I've gone to Tap New York, it's literally I'm miserable for that week after. <laughs> Same thing with Belgium comes to Cooperstown. It's just really really bad. I, uh, I, have, I have to say my most recent one. Uh, uh, I know you did Kevin Mall and friend of mine over at Rare Form. Oh yeah, yeah. Kevin's a cool guy. We had a lot of fun at Tap New York. We drank a little bit too much, and that was literally. I don't think I came back to my normal self until like Thursday the next week. Nice. Was, oh, that's was, impressive. It's. There it, was. I'm still not at the point where it's like fun to talk about. It's like, nah, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> there was a New Year's where I hung out with a buddy and his uh, significant other at the time. We went, ended up going to a party, a bunch of her friends that I didn't know. I don't know if my friend knew any of them. The last thing I remembered was the second bottle of Jaeger coming out. Some, at some point when the ball was dropping. My mouth just watered in that. And then waking, yeah, waking up Jaeger. the next morning, and he's like, dude, you fucking threw up in the cat box. Nice. Well, that's good. Responsible. I'm like, okay, where are my pants? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. That so he, he had to fill me in between those time periods. <laughs> At least he went in the litter box. It's true. It's you can cool. scoop that out. Yeah, right. right. Clumped up. Yeah. Right the next if that doesn't clump, you're buying shitty cat I've litter. I've up in worse places. Up at the, the other highlight he told me was they have a big receptacle bin for garbage at the bottom of the staircase before walking up to their apartment at the time. He said, I stopped, flipped open the lid, hovered over it, and then went to the side and puked on the <laughs> yeah, ground <well>. instead. <laughs> Maybe you needed the smell of a dumpster to initiate the I needed to get. I needed the motivation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least you didn't go in the dumpster. <laughs> uh, so that's always one of my favorites. All right, let's wrap this up with some listener questions, because I had three of them, actually. Cool. Uh, I don't know who this guy is, but he knows you. <laughs> Someone by who goes by Room and Garden on Instagram. Oh, uh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I saw one this. of my best friends. Okay. I had a question for Sam. How are you able to brew such delicious and sought-after beer, knowing very well I started over you in high school lacrosse that one Hon- season? Honestly, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> John, uh, John, he's he's one of my best friends. He's basically a brother of mine. I've known my whole life, and it's true. John is uh, the super talented musician, right? You wouldn't peg him for being the athlete. Okay. I like to say that the old coach back today had a vendetta against me because he did, uh, and he did start John over me for for a few games. And that was not cool. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. In You're my welcome. 30s. <laughs> I'm glad I could bring that up. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's such an asshole. <laughs> I sure he'll appreciate you. Yeah. Anthony Rossi from Video Game Crosstalk Podcast says, I haven't been here, I haven't been I haven't been to the pump station since the renovation. What are your favorite items on the new menu? It's a good question. Oh man, there's I so have, many. And of course anyone out there who doesn't follow the pump station on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you're missing out. On a lot of awesome pictures of the fantastic-looking dishes that they put. Hey, you know what? I take thank you because I run all our social media as well. Do you? Uh, yeah, oh, so that's all. Okay. That's all me. Yeah. So when I'm hitting like, I know who's saying that's it. That's me. Okay. And I was when I posted it. And you know, no one will ever beat me to the first like because I post it and immediately switch over to my account. I've like, noticed your name on a lot <laughs> yeah, of likes. I like everyone. You got to give yourself some credit. Yeah, and there's so many. Uh, I got to give a good plug. We hired uh, Ian O'Leary, who's our head chef. Uh, I don't know, three months now or so ago. Um, you know, he, he was a sous chef at New World Bistro. He was the head chef at Ginger Man for a long period of time. A lot of another, couple of notable at, places in Albany. Worked yeah. at City Beer Hall. And uh, really, really good. And, you know, great business we've had here for 20 years. We desperately needed some attention and a general in the kitchen. And we have one now. He's creative. He's smart. He knows how to train people. And he's you know, having great beer is important, but our business is also serving food. And having yeah. somebody that's really taken the reins and got it not only in the right direction, but elevated it immensely is great. Of the new menu items, which one do I like the best? Well, just yesterday, uh, last week, we ran, this is a special, so I'm kind of cheating. We ran a, uh, a, <laughs> a, a confit duck um, fried dumpling, which was out of this world. And there's also some killer specials tonight. So always pay attention to our specials first and foremost because that's his ability to like flex. All right. Uh, of the new stuff on the menu, I love the schnitzel. You know, as All a right. kind of traditional, like, I want to drink and be German. You know, I love German lagers, right? Yeah. So I love being able to drink German lagers and just wolf down the schnitzel with this mustard sauce he's got on. It's unbelievable. And he makes a killer cottage pie, which is never my thing. So I, for those that don't know me, I'm not a soup guy. Or like a liquid food guy. I mean, I like them and enjoy them, but I'm not going out to a restaurant to buy. I'm gonna soup. take 
Not to interrupt. I'm going to no, take an action shot to post on Instagram yeah, while we're recording the setup here. But yeah, I mean, the cottage pie is great. Ian uses, um, so the farmer that comes and takes our, our grain uh, uh, owns a farm called Lazy Ace Farm out in Shkatakoke, New York. Okay. He raises cattle for feed. We actually buy back a whole cow every every month or so, break it down. Ian uses all the bones and, and everything to make a demi-gloss that we use in a lot of dishes. He also um, uses some of that beef in the cottage pie. Um, which is just fantastic. And it's so good. And it's awesome because it's kind of like full circle with the food. It's a business to business kind of relationship. And it's really, really good. And again, I can't stress enough. Uh, all the menu items they got great, but the specials really pay attention to the specials now. Specials yeah, back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, oh, here's a burger with bacon on it. You know, are you mean, guys, it wasn't that inventive, and it is now. The Beer Fest coming up at the Desmond, there's a few places that have food. Are you guys going to have some? Yeah, well? we'll be there with food. You know, the Desmond, again, it's not, don't don't come to fill yourself up. No, no, You no, get no. a little nosh. It's more uh, about the beer and with a few yeah, snacks. Yeah, and a couple nosh. It's kind of like a little way to, for, to, to have something solid in your stomach. So it, you it'll allow us to cross-promote, like, yeah. what, if that's what we do as well, which we do. And Ian's going to become this year. I'm not sure what we're bringing uh, this year yet. We've been talking around a lot of ideas. We've been talking about making biscotti um, with the spent grain. Oh, wow. Uh, so we're toying around with that and some other things. We haven't really decided yet. It's kind of going to be that week pull the trigger and do something. <laughs> but for those of you that want to meet Ian and myself, we'll both be there. Our head chef will be slinging food samples. Yeah, definitely stop by the pump station beer. table and for sure, say hi to do. Sam and uh, Ian. Yep, Ian. All right. Yeah. <laughs> both, both good. Fantastic. And the last listener question, which this would have been awkward <laughs> if I didn't know that you already knew this person. Aaron Sturdemont from Horror <laughs> with Sir Sturdy Aaron. Podcast. How do you know Aaron again? Uh, so me and Room and Garden, that one listener, yeah. and my other friend, Will, uh, basically have been best friends forever. And Will's um, parents have close connection with Aaron's family. Okay. And that's how, they, that's how I first met Aaron. We also grew up together at Colony as well. Aaron's a good dude, and, and, and I know Aaron mentioned was looking for local horror beers because uh, he runs his, his podcast. <laughs> yeah. And um, Aaron, I don't have a horror beer. Well, it de- depends on your definition of horror. Uh, in the fall, I do Sammy's Pumpkin Patch. So well, Pumpkin know, beers. Break it down. <laughs> See, it's, it seems like it could, if you're going to find them, it would be seasonal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was talking about this before we recorded. I was on an episode... Of horror with Sir Sturdy, Aaron's podcast there, talking about the fantastic movie Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Third movie in the Evil Dead trilogy, of course. Oh, I haven't watched that. Oh, man, you are. Just go back and watch it. It was funny to prepare you for. You just watch all of them. You should. But I went back and watched Army of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Army of Darkness twice going into it to prepare for the podcast because I hadn't seen it in years. <laughs> like, this is just as fucking fantastic as I remember. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's always nice to dive in. But I was in the Latham Beverage last week, and I actually saw an Evil Dead Red Dead Ale or something like that, <laughs> which wasn't actually officially associated with right. the Army of Darkness or Evil Dead names. But I'm like, oh, man, that would have been so freaking perfect. <laughs> and then I bought something else instead. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who made it, but I definitely should have tried it. Oh, that's funny. But Aaron's comments. Uh, not really a question, and you'll hear why I thought this was going to be awkward. Make sure you tell Sam I love him. Oh, Aaron, that's so sweet. I love you, too. Long time no see, brother. Exactly. All right, and that's a fun, that's a lovely way to wrap up the podcast. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. Sam, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. Taking the time to have some beers, tell some fun stories, tell me about the pump station and everything. Yeah, man, you got it. Appreciate it. And uh, 
where else was I? A big thank you to you, of course, for joining me. Uh, a big thank you to anyone out there that listens to this, is going to listen to this. Be sure to check out the Pump Station in person, first and foremost. And, of course, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sam apparently does all the social media stuff, so you'll be... He would love to see that. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I will start. I'm tooting it for you, buddy. (laughs) We're best friends now. (laughs) (laughs) And a big thank you. I just said a big thank you to Sam and the fans, so that's what I was talking about. You can find Stories from a Bar on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at StoriesFAB. This Quackenbush Blonde is my third beer in about two and a half hours or so, so I'm feeling good. Just don't have any wine out. I, uh, or you can have one. No, it sounds like if I mix, no, I'm good. better off to mix than have I am just wine. drinking one type of <laughs> alcoholic true. beverage. That's true. Thanks to the UK study. <laughs> well, I guess you could attribute that to UK specific beers and wine, though. So I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you can find the show on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and, even more importantly, leave a fantastic review for the show. Spread the word. Greatly appreciate it. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.